Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me today. My guest today is Elizabeth Jones. Her friends call her Betsy, and she is the president and co-founder of the Institute for Educational Advancement, I'm going to consider you my friend, too. So welcome to the show, Betsy. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for inviting me to participate today. I'm excited about it. Me, too. Me, too. And I, um, I, for those of you listening, we're going we're gonna to be talking a lot about Betsy's organization, her nonprofit. And just in case you want to follow along, I mentioned that she is the co-founder of the Institute for Educational Advancement. Their website is educationaladvancement.org, and I will have that um, posted later on, but just in case you want to follow along. But for now, let's just get to know you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Betsy. Um, Well, I am a director of this nonprofit organization that has been a passion of mine for the past 25 years. Um, And I started out in the field of special education, and um, I really enjoy being with children. They're my my life and love, and watching them grow and develop is really an exciting part of of my life. Mm-hmm. Do you do you do you have children yourself? Um, I have stepchildren. I see. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Well, then you know what it's like to have children in your life, as I do. And I think that this is a very important subject on multiple levels because you have an ex- – I just must say, you have an exceptional website. Uh, what your, oh, thank your you. Service, you do. And I really do recommend that people visit this because there are so many ways that people can get more information. I mean, it's, I know you're located not far from me in Pasadena, but you also offer summer camps outside of California for gifted children. So you're not just um, specifically for those people living right in Pasadena, although I know you provide services there. But I thought what would be really useful and helpful for us is I really like definitions. I think it's important for people to understand, well, you're talking about gifted kids, but I don't know what a gifted kid is. I mean, I've never even heard of the term. Somebody could be saying that. So let's talk about that. Why don't you define what gifted means? And also, in, in, in lieu, in, including with that, is what does twice exceptional mean? So give us some information about that, please. Sure. Um, well, unfortunately, like in <laughs> definitions, is part of what a gifted child would want because it, it, it shows uh, direction. But there is mm-hmm. not a universal agreement on a definition of what it means to be gifted. Every state, um, federal organizations have their own definitions. 
Hmm. Um, and it's also important to note that students from different backgrounds may demonstrate their giftedness in different ways. How are there common definitions that all share characters such as a student with intellectual gifts and talents that perform or have the capability to perform much higher levels than their same age peers, um, the same age child who has the same experience and or environment. And these young people exhibit high performing ability in intellectual, creative, and artistic ways. They possess an unusual capacity for leadership and really excel in specific academic fields. Hmm. Um, the other thing about giftedness, which is really, I think, compelling and important, especially if you happen to have a gifted child or, or work with one, is that it also exhibits itself with what we call asynchronous development. And, and that means that a cognitive development of a child exceeds the other parts of their development. Hmm. So those with advanced cognitive ability can have heightened intensities, and you combine these with their inner experiences and their awareness, and they really do have a qualitative different way of looking at the world. Um, and this asynchronous kind of happens because you know, their mind is going so quickly and growing so fast, but the rest of them doesn't grow quite as quickly. So you may have a really bright child who sometimes is their 30-year-old self and sometimes is their 7-year-old self, all in the same little person. So it sometimes <laughs> gets to be a little challenging in, in yeah. dealing with um, the, the giftedness through their intellectual and then their social-emotional needs. It's very interesting. Um, I've never heard of the term twice exceptional. What does, what does that mean? So that's a term that um, more and more people are becoming familiar with, which is really important. Um, many, many young people who have high intellectual ability or are gifted, um, they also have learning challenges. So they could have like a sensory processing issue or ADHD or dyslexia, um, autism. And these young people are now referred to as twice exceptional or 2E. Um, so they have two different, really, juxtapositions hmm. or challenging issues to, to deal with as far as their their development. Um, and what's also challenging about this uh, it happens to be the fact that gifted children are very good at hiding themselves from the rest of the world because they want to fit in. So being bright, they're able to either hide their disability that needs to be supported or they hide their giftedness. So these young people are only served in one particular area versus the whole piece of who they are. And hmm. most twice exceptional children really need to be supported intellectually first with their giftedness and then drill into what happens to be the other uh, challenges that are preventing them from learning at a, the pace that they their brain so much wants to learn at. It's, it's interesting what you've just said, uh, and I don't know if we'll get to this as we have this conversation, but it just occurs to me to ask this right now, and that is back in the day when my kids were in elementary school and they were identified gifted, and honestly, to be honest with you, I don't remember how exactly that happened. I think they were both in around the second grade or thereabouts, and they had 
they were they were tested and then they were they were part of a pull out program where they once a week or something like that they went with some of the other gifted kids of their same grade level and met with a special ed teacher in the library to to do activities together i don't does does that sound like what we used to happen in the old days are you familiar with what i just said absolutely uh, it every district does it differently and that was typically the way gifted children were served. And some districts still do it that way. But usually okay. there's a universal screening where they identify students and then they pull them out. More and more districts are doing things where it's kind of supporting that gifted child in the classroom. Um, but okay. it, and that's great that your child had that those opportunities, but then they mm-hmm. were still just small snippets of what happened during their, their full week. Right, right. Um, and maybe I'll talk more about that as we go through this conversation because I'm just thinking about what happened when they got, in those days, it was still called junior high. Um, mm-hmm. But um, why why is gifted education so important to you? Well, education, as I said earlier, is really right. important to me. It's kind of a passion mm-hmm. of mine. Um, and I really do believe that every child deserves to be seen and heard as the individuals they are. They deserve mm-hmm. the opportunity to learn something new every day, to create, to discover, to grow intellectually and personally. Um, and my educational background is really in special education, and that's where I really mm-hmm. felt I could have the greatest impact of, of supporting those young people that, that may need additional support um, mm-hmm. from our system. My very first classroom was a special day classroom in a residential facility, and it was a K-12 mixed group of children. Um, and they were placed in this facility for a variety of reasons, um, learning disabilities, behavior disorders, what we would refer to today now more as neurodiverse children. Okay. But one day um, we had this one child who traditionally pretty much came down from the residential facility after his morning meds and slept all day. So I never really knew it other than the fact that hmm. he slept. But one day he didn't take his medication. And this mm. is the most brilliant young mind I had ever, ever seen. I mean, it just was remarkable. He was, he was talking about things that were just out of the world as far as math and science and curiosity. And we had the best day. And being a young person that I was then, that I was going to save the world, um, I kind of said, you know, why don't you bring your meds and put them in your pocket and we'll take them at lunch so at least we have the morning together to, to learn and do things. Mm-hmm. And it really made me think at that point in time that he's probably not the only child who's ever been misdiagnosed mm-hmm. or was suffering from being in an environment that didn't meet his intellectual needs. And, and there are probably other kids that are just stifling without the chance to being understood or seen or heard for who they are. And we didn't really know. I was not taught about gifted education in school. So it really caused me to think, this is something I really want to delve into and see if I can find other young people like him and help him see their life yes. and, and shine. That's, that's fascinating. Were, I'm just curious, were you a gifted child yourself? Well, I was very fortunate to have the opportunity to learn in schools that did have advanced learning opportunities, both mm-hmm. public and private, but, but they mostly met my needs, my advanced learning ability needs at that time. Um, I didn't really appreciate that all until I got to college, <laughs> but but I I did exhibit some learning difficulties. I had trouble spelling. Mm-hmm. 
I definitely had what we'll talk about more later. I think overexcitabilities. I was very sensitive, perfectionist. Um, so I suppose mm-hmm. I was kind of a two-e child. Um, I knew what it felt like to, to to be very different from the other kids. Mm-hmm. That's that's interesting. Um, what you just described because I'm reflecting as you're speaking, and I'm thinking about how. Um, I think it was my daughter. It's funny because it was so long ago. You'd think I'd have this. I would have this memorized, but they encouraged her to stop writing with her left hand and to stop oh, writing no. with her right hand. Have you heard of those kinds of things before? Yes, that's that's mm-hmm. too bad. Yeah, yeah. It it is. It's very. It, it's interesting, but it it had didn't hamper her in any way, frankly. But you know, you. you Thing, people you learn over time and, and things change over time and you know as you mentioned um we've got we've got special and you were in special ed and for people that don't know what special ed is maybe just really quickly you could say what is the functionality of a special ed teacher because that is a that is a specialty well and in, in, in years ago gifted fell under special education but it, it doesn't mm. anymore. It really oh, it does m- not. means those okay. those young people who have um, special learning or behavior needs. So okay. they have certain um, challenges in in learning that need to be met specifically. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. farther away you get from, if you kind of look at the bell curve, regardless of how you feel about that, those young people who are more on the left of the bell curve who need more and more support um, intellectually, physically, emotionally, um, those are, are those young people in special ed. Um, mm-hmm. That's interesting. Well, so obviously you are devoted to this subject. So what led you to start your nonprofit? Well, last day wasn't really a very easy decision. Um, <laughs> at the time, I was working at Johns Hopkins Center for Talented Youth, I was associate director. I had a great job. I was working for a university. I had great salary, benefits, um, and it was. I enjoyed my my life there. Mm-hmm. But I had this group of donors who really believed in me, I guess, and and my vision, and they were very, very, very persuasive. So eventually, um, I took the scary leap to start something new. I mean, it was it mm-hmm. was scary. Um, so Jim Davis, my co-founder, and I started the Institute for Educational Advancement. Um, at the time, there weren't very many organizations that really s- supported all aspects of a gifted child. Many mm-hmm. did a good job of supporting the, the academic, maybe for three weeks in the summertime, but didn't really look at the whole pieces mm-hmm. of, a, of a child. So we really wanted to create a tolerant place for young people to thrive in all aspects, intellectually, socially, emotionally, spiritually, and Mm -hmm. physically. Um, And at the time, we were really one of the only organizations talking about the importance of serving gifted youth academically, but also personally. and we started to really understand these young people had these amazing intensities and as I mm-hmm. this asynchronous development that needed to be met of, you know, their minds are going faster than the rest of themselves and um, we needed to create a safe place that they could be together sure. 
with experts that could help them discover the best selves they could be. Um, so we really want to create a community of other mm-hmm. bright, creative, quirky, unique individuals. Okay. So I've got, I, I think I already know the answer to this, which is why <laughs> my body is vibrating right now. Jim Davis, at one time, was he the principal at Westchester High School? Yes, he was. He he was. He was when, when Jim and I met. He was the superintendent of La Cañada Schools, and so I hired him away oh, from La Cañada, um, which was a big big deal. I, for those of you who don't know, La Cañada is an extremely um, good school district, and yes, uh, has. He really understood the needs of this population in uh, in personal ways, from seeing them from L.A. unified schools in very challenging areas, the, the young yes. people that that yes. rose to the top that weren't being served, which really those stories stuck with him. And then when he came to La Cañada and seeing other ways to serve that population, mm-hmm. um, we worked with... Caltech and with JPL right. together, and so he was—he was a great person to co-found the organization with me. He's a wonderful partner. Oh, I'm looking at your website, and because I—I'm really—I I know we're digressing, and we're going to get back to these questions. But I went to Westchester High School. My kids to Westchester <laughs> High School. I know Jim Davis. I was one of those parents that started way back when parents were, when I was fortunate enough to be a stay-at-home mom. And so I was that PTA lady. I was that lady that got involved in shared decision-making. I was a trainer. I got an employee number as a, as a volunteer parent. So I'm looking at this picture, and I'm going, that's the same Jim Davis from Westchester High School. <laughs> I remember when he left and when locked. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry to digress, but that's welcome to my world because that's how it happens in my world. I've never met a stranger. Okay, so let's that's get back wild. to you. I think that's well, I know. Well, I'm, I'm happy I, for you because he he certainly has the ability to to impact and change. And um, oh, that's just if, fabulous. If really, if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have been able to take the leap to start this. Wow, wow, that's that's terrific. So let's talk about your programs because they are so fabulous. So let's talk about some of the programs and the initiatives that IEA does to support these gifted learners and their families, regardless of where they live. So let's let's spend some time talking about that now. Well, so at the Institute for Educational Advancement, as I said, we really focus on the needs of the whole child. And our programs provide um, engaging educational experiences that really promote optimal challenge, mentorships, the exploration of ideas, and discovery for learning. Mm-hmm. And we also spend a great deal of time of recognition of personal potential, meaning really understanding all aspects of who you are um, to help broaden that growth, not just intellectually. So to kind of just list a few of our programs, we have locally the Academy, which is a a year-round enrichment program with classes for students ages 6 to 14. It's after school, weekends, 
and during the day during the week to serve some homeschool mm. population, which is growing pretty dramatically, um, and especially with gifted uh, young people, many of them are homeschooled. Um, wow. Today. So it's nice to be able to serve that group of, of students. Mm-hmm. And these classes are offered in Pasadena, but now I guess one of the good outcomes of COVID um, we have many of these classes that are virtual, so students have participated all over the country in some of these unique opportunities. Um, and then we also have, through that program, we're working very closely with the Pasadena Unified School District, which is, which is wonderful. So we're able to support them by providing after-school enrichment classes to help them in some of their science exploration. Nice. Then we also have um, another very unique program, the, the Carolyn D. Bradley Scholarship. And it's one of the only merit-based high school scholarships in the country. Wow. And this is a really special program to me because it was started by one of um, my, my mentors who really had hmm. a belief in this population as well. And we wanted to find a way to ensure that individual highly able students had the opportunity to find the most appropriate learning environment for them and take away the, the needs or the issue of finance to really help them you know, match themselves to that, that opportunity and to grow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in that program, we identify students in their end of their seventh grade year and um, pr- provide them with high school scholarships at the best school for them around the country. Right now, we're serving students in uh, over 35 states, so we're still expanding and trying to reach more um, to ensure we're we're really maximizing on those young people who need our services. So just to be clear about that, because I know you're going to say more about this, but if you're applying for a scholarship and you're still in high school, then that suggests to me that you're going to a private school. The majority of our, yeah, the majority of the students in the scholarship do attend independent schools around the country. We do have many scholars that do uh, attend public schools that happen to have exceptional programs for gifted students. And around the country, there are those schools. And uh, we have students that do hybrids where they're in homeschooled or in public school for part of the day, um, all different kinds of, of variations of how they might be served. Many are in charter mm-hmm. schools. So yes, we really do look at the individual child and try to find mm-hmm. that environment. It may be two or three environments, but that particular learning experience that will help them reach for their potential. That's, that's and also, real, it, go it, going back, mm-hmm. not just to their intellect, but, but personally, I mean, that there are other interests as well, whether it be you know, swimming or basketball or um, playing an instrument, so being mm-hmm. able to really maximize mm-hmm. on all aspects of who they are. I'm sure you saw on the news the 12-year-old yes. that graduated <laughs> with, I mean, it's like, What? I mean, I was yep. just, that was pretty stunning, wasn't it? I mean, to get all those advanced degrees is pretty amazing. But that that's out of the ordinary. Okay. It so back, hard, back. But, but there, it just that demonstrates that some of these kids really are able to do so much more and are more capable than we think they are. 
Yes. So you've talked about the Caroline Scholarship. Um, tell me a little bit more about some of the other programs that you offer. We also offer Explorer, which is a high school mm-hmm. program, again, that matches students with a passion in a particular content area with an expert in the field. So they really work with that specialist to understand that field um, and dive mm-hmm. deep into that. And then one of our other really unique programs is UNASA. And um, UNASA to us means balance. So it's a residential summer program or summer camp for students ages 10 to 15. And we bring these young people together from all over the country to create a community in a, in a traditional camp-like setting um, where we're outdoors. We do things like archery and zip lines and crafts mm, and um, it definitely has s'mores involved. So lots of camp <laughs> activities where, <laughs> where these young people would feel out of place at a traditional camp mm-hmm. because they bring suitcases full of books instead of other things. Um, But we also have the benefit at this place to have some of the most eminent folks in the field of gifted education come with us, and they are our facilitators. And they help us to really understand how to calm our mind, Mm -hmm. how to focus our energy, and to to use our minds in different ways than you would use it in the classroom. So how do you solve problems out in nature? How do you make connections to what's happened globally, to what's around you, um, how to meet and really be with other young people um, that are like you in a social mm-hmm. setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really fortunate to have these experts in the field through this really intense, wonderful experience of, of a week. That's we have terrific. Mm-hmm. That's one nice. in Michigan there- and one in Colorado. Right, right. Well, I think that, and I must just let people know as they're listening to this, because I know I've digressed and taken you off the path here, but um, your website has all of this amazing information here that, that can give people all that information. Um, what what do you think makes um, IEA different from some of the other organizations that serve advanced learners? What What makes you different? I think it's the fact that we are, one, we're not affiliated with any other organization. Um, mm-hmm. So we have the ability to, to really find partners that, that are experts in various parts of what they do. And so we have the ability to really pay attention to the individual child. Um, we focus on the optimal match, finding the, the right program for that individual. We really focus on portfolio assessments. Um, and mm-hmm. creating safe learning environments for, the, for those young people. We have a really strong alumni base, which is great for mentorship, for oh, the young yes. people to look up to other children who've been, th- now young adults, who've been through mm-hmm. the things that they've been through, who have been the different gifted child in the school system, and understand how to navigate that as they grow older. Um, mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're small, but we're mighty. And, yeah, sounds um, like it. <laughs> um, it and sounds it, it's like great it. That, yep, yep. And it's great to be able to really um, tackle some of these bigger national problems with our public policy by creating these partnerships and working with mm-hmm. others to to um, advance, educate teachers and communities on the characteristics of gifted children. Sure. 
So how does um, the equity and accessibility play a part in the work that you do? It's a, it's a really important part of what we do. Um, our nation really, as we all know, the academic strength and growth depends on the productivity of our human capital. And we really need to, to expand our ability for innovation. And that means we have to ensure that all children from all zip codes, from all backgrounds, have the ability to excel intellectually and personally. Um, and that means we need to do something like having districts identify students using universal screenings and local norms. Um, a child who has not had the opportunity of many, many different experiences may not score or appear as um, much of an advanced learner as a child who has had very um, little exposure. So we really need to look at those kids and where they are and, and find them that, that um, jump to the top of, of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, at IA, we don't we don't look at a single test score to identify a child. We do use these portfolios, which are really important um, to look at the way a child thinks and their creativity and how they think. Um, mm-hmm. We use parent and teacher statements to ensure we're supporting the needs of the, those young people. Um, and again, looking at those students that may have additional challenges based upon their background. There was one time uh, we were working in uh, a public school district very close to where we are, we are located, and we had to have students have parents sign permission to do some of the programs we were working with. And I had this little girl who called me two or three times and said, my mother's never going to sign this form, but I know oh. that I belong in this program. And, you know, legally I had to have mom sign it, but eventually I said, yeah, whatever, I'll sign it for you. <laughs> and wow. So, so she came to us from this very poor background. They, they were homeless and just thrived and excelled. And, mm-hmm. and it really, it's because we have the ability to look at the individual child regardless of where they come from. And the fact this little girl took it upon herself demonstrates regardless of what her performance in school was that she had Mm -hmm. something there that needed to be supported. Um, So we really do take those kinds of things seriously Mm -hmm. of looking at those individual children. Oh, I bet. That's that's quite a story. My gosh. So if a parent or a grandparent is listening to this show today, what should that person do if they think their child might be gifted? Well, it's 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 difficult. Um, yeah, I guess it's there isn't really a great handbook, and as I mm-hmm. said, there's no one definition. So it's really looking at your individual child, and if you think that they are exhibiting behaviors of intensities or characteristics of gifted, um, then it's important to look at your district policies and to to really understand what they provide. Um, talk to your child's teacher about what your child already knows to see if they can provide new and, and different content. One of the most frustrating things for a parent, I think, is to see a child that they know has mastered multiplication and mm-hmm. having to do 
worksheet after worksheet after worksheet on multiplication yes. that it drives the child insane because they've been right. doing it and can do it in their sleep. So really talking to that teacher to say, what, what else can we do? We've demonstrated mastery. What's the next step? And how can mm-hmm. we move forward? And the key is you don't want your child to get more work. You just you want more challenging work. Right, um, right. And, Have you found um, – go ahead. No, finish, your, no, finish that thought. Cause, well, I guess I'm, I'm so interested. I, I apologize for, for interrupting continually. Have you found that when there are more than – there's several children in the family. Does this, does it, does it, are all, how does it separate? Can, can you have three children and one is identified gifted and the other two aren't? How, how does that work within siblings? I was just curious about that. <laughs> that that's a really good question. Um, yeah, it, it, it can be, um, most often one of the parents was identified or is, a highly able individual mm-hmm. as far as intellect goes um, or gifted, whether or not they were identified. Um, mm-hmm. And in a family, you can have a child who has um, great advanced learning ability and another child who has other issues. And that becomes even more challenging as, as a parent when you're trying to meet the unique needs of all of your your mm-hmm. children. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean all of the kids in the family are going to have the same um, intellectual and personal needs. So it is it is hard to mm-hmm. to make that differentiation. I bet. So so how so we've identified this child. So how can a parent help meet the needs of their gifted child? What 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 do you recommend? I think really understanding the characteristics of gifted children um, is important. Um, th- things such as the ability to comprehend materials several grade levels above, their um, surprising emotional depth and sensitivity at a young age, extreme curiosity, their deep understanding of unique interests, um, the fact that they absorb information really quickly, little sponges of, of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of the joys of working with this population is they have this wonderful, quirky, advanced sense of humor um, that, <laughs> that is a real joy and can be frustrating to a teacher sometimes, but it's really a, yes. it's really a joy. Um, and, and they're very self-aware and self-concerned about global issues around them. And they have very um, intense creative problem solving. There are many other characteristics, but those are those are ones to really understand. And I think that one of the highlights of that happens to be this intensity and sensitivity, because that is what most parents see most often, uh, maybe mm-hmm. or reacting to a particular issue that doesn't seem to be an issue to anybody else, but is a real issue to, to the child. Um, and many of these can be found through understanding and looking at what we call overexcitabilities, um, which are uh, intensities that many gifted children have. And it's really based upon some research that um, Dabrowski did 
and Michael Pikowski, who is one of our senior fellows, really honed those different kinds of overexcitabilities. So if you don't know what that is for your, your children, it really is a helpful tool mm-hmm. in, in identifying and serving their particular needs and explains a lot of, their, of the behavior that we might think is a little odd for a gifted All right. person. So, so, so what advice would you give that parent that's raising their gifted child? So, so understand their characteristics and then make sure you're right. meeting their intellectual needs. Um, often, as we said, with all these other characteristics that are a little odd of, of wanting to move around a lot or wiggly or, or bored, mm-hmm. we found if you feed a child's mind, that really fuels them to be able to do other things that are challenging, like sitting still or mm-hmm. listening to directions. They're, they're fed through their minds. So the first thing is to make sure that they're, that they're intellectually um, fed. Also, it's really important to keep a portfolio of their work so that you can demonstrate to a teacher or to somebody else the advanced ability this child has. Uh, many times children at home can do things far more challenging and demonstrate their gifts more than they can in the classroom. So it's really important to keep that portfolio mm-hmm. to demonstrate that. Um, and um, t- to give really honest praise, one of the things that these kids are aware of, it, again, going back to perfectionism, if, if you have a little one that draws a picture of a tree and it doesn't look like a tree and you say, gosh, that's the most perfect tree. Thank you so much for doing that. They look at you like I never trust you again. But mm-hmm. if you say something like, you use great colors on that tree, then they're like, oh, okay. So, so using honest praise because they really need to be able to trust you um, as, they, as they grow. Um, and, it, and to realize it's really exhausting to raise a child that's different from the norm. It, it's mm-hmm. hard. Um, and, you know, this asynchronous development is, is challenging. And it's important as a parent to, to, to really give yourself a break and demonstrate self-care ways to calm yourself down with breathing yeah. and stretching that, that they may then model. Um, as Have they... you found in your experience that most of the young people are identified gifted really at a young age? In other words, is it more likely you're going to be identified as a gifted child in first, second, third grade as opposed to sixth grade when you're going to middle school? I think it depends on the environment, but my my answer would be yes. And most gifted children are really identified by their parents when they're very young. They Mm -hmm. start reading at very early ages, have advanced vocabulary by one or two, are doing things that really do demonstrate their uh, uniqueness before they even enter school. Um, Many of the clients that come to us for consulting come because preschool doesn't serve their child. Mm-hmm. So early on, many of these parents are well aware of the, the needs of their child or that their child is different and uh-huh. know they need to seek additional support. Um, do, those, do these children have social issues then if they're that four-year-old and they're getting ready to go to TK or kindergarten or whatever? Do they have... A greater level of social issues with 
their peers because they are considered, in quotes, somewhat different? Um, yes, I would say that they, they do. I mean, if you have a child who is coming to school with great vocabulary and this huge imagination and wants to play in the playground uh, and build castles and talk about surfs and and building all of the different towns that, that go with it and another child wants to build a sandcastle with a bucket – they they don't understand the rules or the mm-hmm. of the game, and so mm-hmm. there really is no one for them to play with, and and it makes it challenging to have peers to to communicate with, and and these young people do feel very different, mm-hmm. um, and teachers don't understand often, not for lack of anything other than just not being taught. Um, how do you deal with a child who who's already reading, who already has a great mm-hmm. vocabulary? When mm-hmm. you're trying to teach other children the sound of A, um, yeah, it's it's really really hard in those early years. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about the school system, and I think the school system more today probably than ever before have have many challenges. Uh, what are some of the things that the schools can do to support these wonderful gifted children? Um, I think that the the biggest thing right now is to really uh, support policies that are inclusive for identification of all advanced learners, um, mm-hmm. really supporting universal screening in your districts for every child, um, not just those that right. a teacher might identify, um, and to use local norms by schools, as we talked about before, it really depends on how much a child's been exposed to. You don't know how much they can learn until you give them the opportunity to really grow and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and to provide challenging, creative learning environments and opportunities. Um, hopefully not just pull out two days a week to, to do some, some fun activities, but really dive into uh, content that is rich and engaging for them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I think many people are, are skeptical about is is advancing grades or skipping grades. Right. Um, and that's really one of the most uh, cost-efficient ways to serve a gifted or highly gifted child, whether it's a full grade skip or it's by subject area of going to third mm-hmm. grade for math when you're in right. kindergarten. Mm-hmm. So being able to, to, to really go to where your level of need is intellectually. Um, I think if schools could really do that, that would be a great, again, cost-effective way to serve individual children's, children. Are, um, there, are those staff really on school? Are those, those, those that would identify the, these children, um, do schools have those people on the campus, or are they... I mean, what if you don't have that special person that's at your school that would identify? Exactly, and and that's something that's really important, too. I think that the other thing that schools, and again, this is a funding issue of being able to provide uh, gifted talent coordinators at least in the central office. I mean, Mm -hmm. many school districts now have a – administrator who is in charge of four or five different things from arts to gifted to after-school programs, doing all those mm-hmm. things in a whole district, and, and that's really not serving the needs of, of these children. So, so identifying those teachers that 
that could serve as locally gifted talent coordinator and especially at central office. Because these are going to be the resources where teachers are going to go to to say, how do I serve my child? They're going to be the ones that are teaching teachers how to, how to serve those unique little people. Yeah, that makes sense. So here you are. You're 25 years into this. Um, what, are your, what are your plans going into the future for the next 25 years? Well, we'll give wow. it ten. All right, we won't make you. I won't. I won't make you give me all twenty-five years. Let's let's keep it um, manageable. So, because someday I'd like. I'm sure you would like to retire. So, but what do you? You know. So, what are your plans as you move forward? Um, I think that that for us, we we really want to continue to expand our outreach, and to assist the identification uh, and support of advanced learners who who don't have access to appropriate learning environments and there's 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 so many in our programs and and around the country i mean really being able mm-hmm. to to ensure people understand the needs of this population and that there are many young people who need this additional support to to thrive um, and we've been very fortunate that last year we were able to serve two-thirds of our population of students um, through free and uh, financial aid services. So we really are trying hard to, to reach out to that, that population. Um, we have to date served over 11,000 students, so we're hoping to, to definitely expand that just to ensure we're touching more and more students. Even though we, we know there are over 3 million gifted students in our country and only a fraction are being served, we're, we're chipping away slowly um, within our community. Um, so mm. there's there's a lot of a lot of work to do in that regard, um, so, and and expand our partnerships and efforts with with public policy and um, and with other schools to to really um, exponentially impact the needs of this population. Mm-hmm. That's this. You know, I, there might be somebody listening going. So all right. So let me get this straight. You've got these brilliant children that are being underserved. I've got a kid that can't spell his first name. Um, so that's another population that, that schools have to consider as well. Am I right? Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's absolutely true. So when you, when you, I'm just loving looking at your, I'm just loving your website and the people that are standing in this picture with you. And and I'm and it it makes me. This is the perfect question to ask you this because I can see it. So, what has brought you your greatest joy in your long career in education? Because you sure look happy in this picture. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's really it's not. It, it's watching. You know, there's a certain excitement and joy you get when you see a child who has an aha moment of discovery for the first time or figuring mm-hmm. out a problem. I mean, that those aha moments are, are memorable and, and wonderful. And, and seeing them grow and learn, find friends. Um, mm-hmm. And now we're able to say that it, they grow into young, productive, caring, tolerant adults. Um, and, and that's really had been a wonderful experience. For example, the chairman of our board is one of our the first students that we served. So it's it's come full circle in that regard and that's mm-hmm. that's really a that's a real joy for us um and, and i have to say 
watching the young people and the, the talent of our staff, um, other people that are committed to passions and finding ways to serve gifted youth or youth in general, um, just being around those kind of people, it, it's really exhilarating and, it, and it's wonderful. Um, so I, I would say those are those are my joys, and and there's so many stories of, of these little guys that didn't have a chance, and all of a sudden now are doing thriving. Share one. Well, do you have one right off the top that you can think of? Um, well, there's, I guess going back to kindergarten and your question about a child like that, we we had mm-hmm. um, uh, we identified a, a fifth grade student who was really moving towards gangs and whatnot, but she was so mm. bright in her language, her vocabulary, it was really clear that she had something going on with her. So, so eventually talking to her, finding out what happened, she was an extremely bright young person living in a very, very challenging area in south-central L.A. I uh, was raised by her grandmother because the rest of her family had either been incarcerated or, or were not living. And her grandmother read to her every day and told her school was the great safe place to go her grandma bought her a perfect dress to go to school the first day. Mm. And she went, and they made macaroni necklaces. But she already knew how to read. So that was fine for a while, but the teacher mm-hmm. kept telling her to, to change her vocabulary so the other kids could understand. And eventually she got sent to the hall because she was using words like merge or, or coexist or, or things like that that the other kids just simply didn't get Uh and she said as she was sitting in the hall she counted all the little holes in the ceiling you know the ceiling tiles and that's my gosh that school was not going to be a place for her in in the third week of kindergarten so being able to find her in fifth grade and watch her grow and develop and graduate from college is just Mm. that that's the kind of story yeah gosh do you remember do you remember that I can remember I can remember being in the in the in the elementary school and 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 just waiting to talk to the principal and looking up at the ceiling going <laughs> one two I got like, oh my god there were those little holes and whatever the, whatever exactly. that ceiling oh that's just that's so crazy um so you've talked about so much of the success but with success and with with these wonderful stories, um, I presume that there are times when there can be some challenges, and um, I would just, you know, I'd be curious to know what they might be. What 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 kind of challenges have you experienced? I, I think well, well, many as you can imagine, but I think mm-hmm. one of the big ones is just telling the story that these kids have needs, because I think most people think that gee, if you're gifted, you don't have any issues or problems. But as you said, just the intellectual piece is huge of not being able to actualize that, but the social-emotional piece has a, mm-hmm. has a real impact. Um, you know, we have kids that have really been challenged emotionally, who've been isolated and, and not treated well, who, who don't make it. I mean, we've had a few kids that just don't don't make it and those are those are sad um, yeah but so telling the story and making people mm-hmm. hear and see these kids for who they are 
is is one of our biggest challenges. And then, you know, raising funds to make sure that we are able to support all those young people so we don't lose them to whether it's under achievement or underperformance or just lose them because they socially and emotionally can't make it anymore in our world. We we can't afford that. Our country can't right. afford that. Right. We, we need these young people. Um, as much as they need us, we need them. Right. I just, I'm just, I'm looking at your website, and you have something under, I believe this is services I'm looking at, where you have a consulting, you have a gifted support group, and mm-hmm. people can, can go to this website, and I see that you're currently planning your your fall of 2023, um, so that's going to be updated soon. But because, I mean, before you know it, I mean, it'll be summer vacation again, you know, and <laughs> school will be out. I mean, how did that happen so fast? So there, you, your advocacy, and, you know, there could be somebody listening that maybe is a retired teacher that might say, mm. gosh, you know what, I have something to give as well. And I think that, that by coming to your website, that might really be another um, opportunity for them, right? I mean, they could do those things. Absolutely. We have yeah. wonderful opportunities for, for volunteers and or teachers that, to work with these young people. And as you said, the support groups are really great for parents to be around other parents that are having similar needs and, and talk to them. So the parent support groups or gifted support groups are really of value. And those are virtual, too, so they don't have right. to be in person. So it, it's nice to have those communities to ask those questions of others who've been through it. I, I so agree with what you're saying. And, and, you know, sometimes you just you need to speak to somebody that, that understands what you're talking about. And, and if you don't really have somebody that you feel comfortable asking, um, I think this is great. I mean, you have a, an email list that people can sign up for. I mean, there's a lot of things that... Um, that, that people can take advantage of regardless of where they live. And I think that that's, that is what's been, I think, what's really, really important. And I have friends that are school teachers. Um, I have a friend that teaches uh, an EK, what do they call it? It's, a, it's an ETK. I think they're like four-year-olds. Oh, and, that's great. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, and they're, they're seeing firsthand what these young people are like. But some of these gifted children really don't present themselves until they're, like you say, maybe in the second or third grade, and, and they're realizing, like, wow, this kid is really advanced, right? I mean, really advanced. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's really interesting. Um, so I know that you lead, you lead a very productive life. I learned from a millennial, I don't say busy. She says, "We, I am productive. I'm not busy. I just love that. I thought, gosh, I always say the word busy, but but you 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 do lead the productive life, and so just out of curiosity, because I know we learned a little bit about you in the beginning, um, when you're not working, I know there has to be certain times when you're not working. Um, maybe your mind is always working. I don't know. <laughs> but what do you enjoy doing when you're not working? What, what's your? How do you balance your lifestyle from, you know, full bore professional and then personal? It's um, a question. I really <laughs> like being outside. So I, I like to hike and and um, and do those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Like like golf. 
Um, oh. I like to paint. I, I'm oh. an avid oil painter. Um, wow. And, you know, being with family and, mm-hmm. and friends, um, mm-hmm. gardening. So I have kind of that creative, that my, those are my creative outlets are gardening and painting. Well, my daughter used to live in Pasadena, so I don't know ah. if that's where you call home. But that's where Descanso Gardens yeah. is, am I right? Yeah. There's yes. some beautiful gardens out where you live. And then, like you say, hiking and things like that. I think, I think it's important not only for those of us that are full-fledged adults, but also I think balance, I think it's an underutilized term. And certainly, yes, you could use the word balance when you're on a bicycle and you don't want to fall off. There's that kind of balance. I'm taking balance classes at my local YMCA right now just to manage my balance. But the the balance of, um, you know, life and what you do on a professional level and what you do on a personal level, they're they're very important. And, you know, I was telling you before we went on the air that, you know, I'm having a computer issue and it's like, okay, well, I need to take a deep breath, which is why I do yoga. You know, I need to learn how to balance my own life because I'm I need to I need to be productive when I'm productive, but I also need to have that balance and and I'm I'm not a golfer, but I I notice, you know, we've had so much rain. The weeds are so happy right now. And <laughs> I know, so yes, I've just had a manicure. We'll put some gloves on. And, you know, start pulling some of those because it takes you away from the computer. And I am pretty much, you know, locked into that at times. And so there are times when you just have to step away and, and, and maybe you don't get to travel as much as you, as you might have wanted to in the past. I know it's something that I certainly miss doing. But just to walk outside and to just, you know, whether it's in the daytime or even as even at dusk and or just appreciating I, I, I love looking at the sky at night and going, Wow, I wonder what planet that is. Okay, that that's really big. Is that a is that an airplane or is that a planet? No, that's not moving. It's kind of reddish. Yeah. It's twinkling. It's a star. It's a planet. You know, there is so much we can appreciate in our lives and and I think that for so many of us Balance is so important. Don't, wouldn't you agree? Oh, definitely. I mean, when you mentioned that space was my, we talk about little kids being fixated on one thing as far as a gifted kid, and space is certainly mine. So I, I that have right? a great passion for that. So, so I understand the, the stargazing piece um, right. and how fascinating that is. Uh, what's beyond? What's here? What's what's and look at what's happening right now. I think there was just a launch today, and um, and I'm it's, it's amazing what's available that's out there. Whether you know, and and everybody needs to determine what that is for them. Maybe it's working at the local um, ASPCA, you know, where you or you know, or, or maybe it's just. I'm 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 a Rotarian, so I mean I think that there's a lot to be said for being part of um, organizations that do really great work both locally and internationally, and and so I think that that's really important. But you know we all have our local schools, and I would just say to somebody that's listening, if you're sort of bored, if you're feeling like there's too much free time, 
if you're spending too much time in front of your um, phone, go to over your local school, whether it's an elementary school, a middle school, a high school, and say, do you need any volunteer help? Could I maybe help in a classroom? You know, what, whatever that might be, there's certainly they're never going to turn away, I would think, once you've, you, have to, you, know, you have to go through the process. I don't think they would ever turn away a volunteer that wants to work with children. But you have to be qualified and you have to be, you know, you have to go through the, the process. But um, I would just say to those people listening that if you're looking to do something, why not go to the schools and see what kind of, you know, what you, what you did professionally, maybe you could bring to, to a program that is advancing um, the interests of the gifted child. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think the world has changed so much since, since COVID that we've learned that children learn in so many different ways, not just from yes. textbooks, but from really knowledgeable experts that know the truth of what they're talking about and saying mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being able to engage young people in that way is, is a huge gift. It is. It really is. And I just want to thank you because you've, you've touched people and the children and their families that maybe you will never know the impact that you've had by what you do and and not just you but your whole group and what you stand for and i just want to thank you so much um betsy for sharing this with us today and for you know really directing people to your website educationaladvancement.org people can support you in any way possible and um, I'm just delighted that I was able to to share your stories today with our audience. It, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. It was it was great fun. I enjoy speaking with you. And, and what you, you do is really fascinating. I I I have found my passion later on in my life, and and I think that you know talking with people about what they love doing is it just brings me great joy. My hand is over my heart as I say that because it's Aww. true. It brings me joy to be able to share stories of what people are doing that means something to them. And I especially love talking to people that do nonprofit work because I think that's very important as well. So thank you. I'm going to thank your, your good friend Kat for being such an <laughs> integral part of this, Kat. So I Absolutely. know you're listening, and thank you, Kat, for, for, for helping uh, make this come to fruition. So have a great day. Enjoy everything that you do. I'm actually taking next week off, believe it or not, so maybe I'll get out. Maybe I'll go to the observatory. That might be a cool place to go. And, uh, right? Exactly. So have a great week, everybody, and thank you once again, Betsy, for joining me. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Bye for now. Bye.